0: Our gospel lesson, where we begin this morning, is Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through 44. Matthew 36 through 44. And we're just saying in that uh, prayer, we don't have to wonder if God's going to keep his promises, but we do wonder when, because we don't know. And that is what Jesus is telling his disciples here in Matthew 24, which can be found on page 1543 in your pew Bibles. Before I read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, and we thank you for your word that you've given to us. We pray that you would help us to understand what you are saying to us. pray that you would help us to long for the things that you have promised. God, we pray that you would help us to remember the things that you have done, the promises that you have made, that as we look forward to what is coming, now that we would do so as those who, who remember and who uh, are waiting and excited about who you are, and what you're doing, and will do. We pray this morning that as we hear your word read and proclaimed, that you would continue the work that you have begun in us to change us ever more into the people that you've created us to be in relationship with you, our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Matthew 24, Jesus says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Turning into Romans 13, Paul, writing to the church in Rome, has just said uh, in verse 8, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love One another. And then he says, picking up in verse 11, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the past uh, few weeks and months, we have been looking at the book of Acts, and I told you last week that we were going to be taking a break during this season uh, from the book of Acts to do something a little bit different, and we are... uh, we're going to look at the book of Isaiah as uh, we are now in the season of Advent, and this season of Advent, as we've already talked about, Advent means coming. Yeah, and so uh, we are looking forward to something, and this is the time of the year where we always are sort of we're ready for it to be Christmas, right? <laughs> I mean, if you haven't done all your shopping yet, you're going wait, well, hold on now. But we're ready for the, the Christmas music. we're ready for the Christmas decorations, we're ready for the, you know, all these Christmas celebration things, and yet, we're not there yet. This is actually still Advent, this is why we have purple up, this is why we only have one candle lit. We are in the season of Advent where we are still awaiting Christmas. It is still in front of us, and it is a time of preparation, of being made ready for, uh, for Christmas, but also for uh, not only the celebration of Christ's first coming, but also as we are being made ready for Christ to come again, which is what we've been reading about. So in Isaiah, we have uh, similar lines of thinking. This is when Isaiah was a, a prophet in the Old Testament. This is hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And one of the things that we see in the prophets of old is as they looked forward there wasn't much distinction for them between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. And so it all gets sort of talked about together. And that was one of the things that confused people when Jesus showed up. He said, wait, I thought when you showed up, it was going to be this and this. And he said, well, this now, that later. <laughs> and so those are things that we kind of have to sort out as we go through. Um, but what was going on in Isaiah's time, let me just tell you that first, is the nation of Israel, had the people of Israel had been, in the land that God had promised to their ancestor, Abraham, many, many years before. And when they had come into the land, this is something we've been reading in the Read Scripture Plans. I say, I hope we're all reading this together. Before they went into the land, uh, Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, he gives all these speeches reminding people, this is what God says. And if you go into the land and you actually follow him as his people, with him as your God, and you are living in relationship with him the way that you're supposed to, and doing the things that he's told you to do, you, things will go well in the land. You'll live there for a long time. But if you don't, you're going to be driven out just as the people were driven out uh, for you, and before you. And so, now here we are many, many years later in Isaiah's time. The people have been in the land, and they actually had a split in the kingdom. So you had Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And Israel had already had prophets coming and saying, remember what Moses said in Deuteronomy? You guys aren't doing it. You're going to be driven out of the land. They said, "Ah, that'll never happen. And then sure enough, Assyria comes in and takes them over and takes them out of the land. And so now what's left is the tribe of Judah, a little bit of Benjamin, a little bit of Levi. (laughs) And so it's called Judah. That's what's left. And now we have a prophet named Isaiah, among others, who says, hey, guys, (laughs) it's time to pay attention. They didn't think it was going to happen just like God said it would, but it did. And now they're gone. The time is now for you to wake up and pay attention because this will happen to you too. If you keep not following God. And they said, that'll never happen. (laughs) Anyway, but that is the situation that Isaiah is in and the people that he's talking to. And, uh, before we read what he has to say, uh, we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Before we do, I want to tell you a story about me as a child. Anybody else here ever procrastinate anything, ever? Another? No? Some of you are just waiting to raise your hand to the last second. Anyway. <laughs> I used to be a firm believer in the uh, the expression, if you wait to the last minute, it'll only take a minute. Anyway. <laughs> um, and when I was a kid, and I've told this story before, but I think it's been a few years. I'll tell it again. That uh, when I was a kid, we would <laughs> be at home, and my mom would leave. And so she would leave a list of things that we were supposed to have done before she got back, which we didn't. <laughs> and so uh, she would leave, and we would be watching TV or playing outside or you know, playing video games or whatever it was. And um, we had a really loud, loud garage door opener. And so when she would come home and would push that button on the garage, you could hear it from anywhere. It was loud. And so we knew when she hit that button that we had about 45 seconds till she was inside. And so it didn't matter how long she'd been gone or how much she'd given us to do. We were going to try to do it all in that 45 seconds before she got in. And so we didn't ever, but uh, for some reason, we always still thought it was possible and then she would come in and, oh, you didn't do the things. And we're like, oh, we, I don't know what happened. Well, yeah, we do. Okay, anyway. But I tell a story uh, during this time of Advent and coming, because as Jesus said, you're not going to know when the time is. And we always sort of have this in mind that we're living in a time, and this happens for each of us when it comes to dying, as well as when it comes to preparing for Jesus to return. We always think, well, we'll have time we'll we'll know when the garage door starts going up we'll know the time is near and everything and what we have repeatedly throughout the bible is you're not going to get a garage door opening warning you're not even going to have that 45 seconds of notice it's going to happen when you don't expect it and so if you're putting off getting ready until that time it's that time all right so that's kind of uh along the lines of isaiah's message as well I'm just going to read a few verses here. This is Isaiah chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 5. And Isaiah kind of bounces back and forth between prophecies of judgment, but also prophecies of hope. And uh, so we're going to look at some of that today. Isaiah 2, 1 through 5, he says, it says This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains, It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. All right. So what we have here is Isaiah, who has this vision of what things are going to be like, what it will be like one day. And he explains all this to everyone. He says, this is what it's going to be like. Let's live like that. Let's live like that now. And what does he say it's going to be like? He says, it's going to be a time when the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains, that it will be exalted above the hills. And we go, yeah, okay. Oh, what that means. It's going to be a really tall mountain somewhere. But that's not what he's talking about. This is a symbolic thing. In uh, ancient Israel, you had, and in the surrounding areas, you had high places. That's where you went to worship. And so if you would go to the various hills, top, tops of hills or tops of mountains, that's where you'd go to worship. You wouldn't have just a local building where everybody would gather together to worship. You'd go up on a mountain or up on a hill with the idea that that way somehow you were closer to the particular God that you were worshiping. And so every hill sort of had a different God that is being worshipped. This is why uh, you see in the Psalms, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the God of Israel, the one true God because it was in contrast to all the false gods out there. And what Isaiah is saying is there's going to come a day where it will not be a question anymore. There will no longer be a question of, well, is it this god or is it this god or what can we worship this way or that way or whatever it is. It's there will come a day. <clears throat> excuse me. Where the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. That anybody who looks around will see that's the one that is important. That that is the God who is the one true God. That now it is being revealed, and that's what this is. is a time where all is revealed. This is what Paul talks about in Philippians as when every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the same kind of idea as what Isaiah is talking about here, that there will come a time where God's temple... And his mountain is seen as the highest. That he is the one true God above everything else. And then it says, it will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. And so at that time, of course, you had um, the God of Israel and you also had the God of of Moab. You had the God of the Canaanites. You had the God. And you're saying, no, no, no. The God of Israel is not just a local, tribal deity. He is the God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the God over everything. And not everybody recognizes it yet, but one day they will. And when they do, all the nations around will see that their gods were not gods. That he is the one true and living God. And so when they see this, what's going to happen? They're going to stream to his mountain, right? They're going to come to the one true God. They're going to get rid of the false things and come to what is true. And so it says many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. And this next line is one I think we miss too much in what it means to come to him. Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. Do you hear what this is saying? And when we talk about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, that's what it means to be a disciple is to learn from him and not just to have the forgiveness of our sins, which is great, but that's just the beginning. But it's to actually learn from him to be the people that he's created us to be and to live in his way, which is very different than our ways. And he says, there's going to come a time where the people who are not even Jewish, but from all different nations, are going to say, let's go to, to the one true God, that we can learn from him, that we can walk in his paths. And where we are today, sitting right here, guess what's happening? We are people who, for the most part, I think, are probably not Jewish, and yet we're here, so we want to learn his ways, that we can walk in his paths. And then it says that uh, he's going to judge between the nations. He will settle disputes for many peoples. This is one of the uh, roles that the king would have. And, uh, and it says when that happens, what else is going to happen? Nation, uh, they will beat their swords into plowshares or spears and pruning hook. Nation will not take up sword against nation. Neither will they train for war anymore. All right. I already kind of hinted that there's some of this that's happening right now, right? Some of these things are happening. We have people from around the world, not just Israel, people from around the world who are coming to the one true and living God as he has revealed himself in Scripture and especially in Jesus and who have received not only forgiveness of sins but are also being trained in what it means to be his disciples to be adopted as children of this living God. So we see that already happening. And then we say, all right. So when it talks about the last days, and the last days is what things are going to be like, we say, well, we must be there. And when we look in the New Testament, we find out that we're in the last days. And yet, then we get down to nations beating their swords and plowshares and not taking up sword against each other, not training for war anymore. Just go home and, and watch the news and see if that's going on yet. Not yet. Not yet. And you know why that's not happening yet? Because not everybody yet has acknowledged that Jesus is the king. Last week was Christ the King Sunday, and we talked about Jesus being the king over everything and how that is good news. Because even though what it means, first of all, we hear it as bad news because it means I'm not the king. Somebody else is. And we all instinctively reject anyone else's king. But when we really stop to think about who he is and who he has been revealed to be and how he is the one who has given his life for us and the one who lived the, the way that people were supposed to have lived from the very beginning and nobody ever did, but he did. And then he gave his life for us. We say, if there's anybody who should be the king, it shouldn't be me, it should be him. And then we find out that he is the king. That should be really good news. But not everybody has acknowledged that yet. But when everybody acknowledges it, then what's going to happen? That means if I'm mad at you because you've done me wrong, and then we take our dispute not to the local court, but we take it to Jesus and we say, what do we do here? And he lets you know you're in the wrong. You need to make it right. And he lets me know you can't hold it against them. You need to forgive them just as I have forgiven you. Are we going to keep fighting about that? Not anymore. Not anymore. And so we have in Jesus the king who is also the judge, who is also the one who is making everything right again. Where there's not training for war. The reason that we have war is because people don't agree on what ought to be done. Well, I think I should have this section of land. I think you shouldn't. Well, now we've got to fight about it. Or whatever it is. I think we should have these values. No, I don't think we should have those values. Well, we've got to fight about it. And what it's saying here is there's not going to be a need for that anymore. Not only is there not going to be war, but we're already to, we'll are going We see that there's not even going to be the need to train for war in the future. It's not that we, well, we get along right now, but everybody's kind of tense. It's not like a Cold War situation where we still need to stockpile the arms. It's now we can get rid of the arms because now we have a king who is over us, who is deciding things right, who we trust to be good and right and just and fair and gracious and merciful and loving, who wants the, our best interest to be what is done. So we don't need to fight with each other anymore. Does that sound like something good to anybody? I mean, wish that would just go ahead and happen now. And so that is, as we look at Advent and what it means uh, to prepare for Jesus to come, this is one of the things that it says is coming. And it's actually already started now. I don't know if you know that. but Some of that has started now. And the example I gave of if somebody wrongs you, somebody wrongs me, and how we work that out with Jesus, that is happening now in the church. That is happening now in the life of Christians, that we don't need to fight with each other like the rest of the world does. Because we have a different king. And we take our disputes to him. He settles it. And he tells us how to do it. And this is what, um, what Isaiah's point was as well. He says, come descendants of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. His point is, this is not the way that it is yet. Not everybody has seen it yet. But God has already revealed so much that we can live in what he has revealed Now be made ready for the day when this comes in fullness. Now let me say, if that's how it was in Isaiah's day before Jesus came, how much more is that the case for us as Christians? That we know who God is as the one true and living God. That we know what kind of king he is, the one who is good and just and right and merciful and loving. And so how much less excuse do we have to continue to walk in darkness and the ways of the world as those who don't recognize this. And so we hear this from Isaiah, and it's kind of a plea to his people. And I hope we hear it for us today, that he's saying to those who are descendants of Jacob, those who have received the law of God and who are living in the land, who understand the goodness that he has provided for them, but aren't living like it. And he says, come on, people. Let's live like it. Let's live in the light of what we have. I hope we hear that today as Christians, as those who have not just received the blessings of Israel in Isaiah's day, but those who have received the blessings that Jesus has given to us, that we would live in a different way. And so I hope we would hear his plea to those people as a plea to us as well. Come on, people. Let us live in the light of the Lord. Let us walk in his ways and in his light. And as we do so, to continue to trust him, to make us into the people that he created us to be, as his disciples, and more than that, as his children, who actually do begin to look like our Heavenly Father. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.